Hello there, this is Linda Hill and I'm going to do a, a daily rave. My daily raves aren't daily, but I like to call it that because it gives me a bit of encouragement to do them more often. But today it's Elsie Willer's birthday and today I'm concentrating on Elsie and I'm doing this by the, you know, by the seat of my pants. I haven't organised anything, um, you know, in terms of getting all her history together and everything, but uh, just thought I'd uh, wing it today. Elsie Willer's solar return. So, um, yes, Elsie Willer was born on September 3, 1887, at 3.39pm in Norris City, Illinois. This is a chart that uh, Mark Evan Jones came up with, actually. I've done a lot of research into Elsie Willer, and I've not been able to find even a birth record. Um, so I'm not sure, you know, I think he rectified her chart. Because certainly, they, you know, they wouldn't have known what time she was born. I did so much research into Elsie Willer. I, I drove through southern Illinois. I went to uh, Missouri to the Home for the Incurables where she was for almost 30 years. I think it might have even been 30 years. Maybe it was a satin return that she spent in the Home for the Incurable. When she was very little, she was like three when she was confined to a wheelchair. And she was confined to that wheelchair for the entire length of her life. Uh, she died at the age of, uh, I think it was 51 and two months. When she was, she was uh, 51 and two months old when she died in 1938. Um, she was an incredible woman, an incredible seer, uh, you know, a prophet, I guess. I don't know if she would really want to be called that. I mean, I know so little about Elsie, but I, I, I can put my hand up to say I'll probably know more about her than any living soul because I've spent so much time researching her life. She was born to farmers in Norris City and they were uh, quite poor. She was the fifth child and uh, there was quite a separation between uh, her and her uh, the next sibling. A lot of her siblings died. She, she outlived, uh, I, think, uh, I think she outlived everybody. I was having trouble finding her two uh, brothers, Charles and Edward, so I sort of gave up on that chase, so I don't know what happened to them. I certainly know that uh, her other, um, her um, two sisters died early in the piece. Her mother and father died uh, when she was very little, so she was orphaned and um, she was sent to uh, Missouri, to St. Louis, Missouri to a Catholic, I think it's a Catholic institution, certainly it's the Bethesda Home for the Incurables. She was in another one before that as well. You know, she needed constant care. And from the research I've been able to do, she did travel quite often. Well, at least when she was very little, I found that she traveled uh, from St. Louis back to Norris City, probably by train, I think. Uh, she always traveled by train, I think, with her wheelchair. She had quite a few operations when she was little. I, I wasn't able to really find out what that was about. But um, that's, a, that's an interesting story in itself. I have found out some of the stories about that, particularly her, her uh, uh, the person who was looking after or supposed to be looking after her, you know, was claiming uh, money, monies for operations that were never performed or were performed for free. That's another amazing story. But yeah, getting back to uh, those early days, she, um, after her parents died, she went to the uh, home for the incurable. No, I need to talk about her guardian. 
he's coming to mind. Um, her father must have known that he was dying, meaning her father must have known he was, the father was dying. Uh, the mother had already passed away a few years before and Elsie was like between five and seven when all this happened. And uh, so the father must have died because he assigned a man called uh, Daniel Gott to be uh, Elsie's guardian. Now why he did that is completely beyond me. It was interesting, uh, when I first received uh, some of the information about this, I had this visceral reaction to Daniel Gott. Made me feel a bit sick actually. I saw um, a photocopy of something that he'd written of the reason why he wanted to be her guardian. You know, he had to uh, apply in court to be Elsie's guardian and uh, he wrote on that uh, that uh, she is a cripple <laughs> and then he, he crossed that out and said she is entitled to a US pension and that was all that was written there and I had this terrible visceral reaction when I read this and it's interesting because I don't always get such a reaction so um, instantly didn't like him his name's Daniel P. Gott and uh, Gott G-O-T-T -T, is German for God so I found that a bit strange and, and his relationship to Elsie Wheeler was that um, he was her step great uncle so he wasn't actually related by blood at all he, he was related by marriage and I've got all this uh, you know documented somewhere and I have to put it together and put it into an article but um, so Daniel got, you know, he was claiming her pension and half the time not paying the home for the incurables for Elsie's stay. He claimed for medical expenses that were non-existent. Uh, he claimed for things that were given to her as donations for free. Um, and why I say that I find it hard to, to understand why Elsie's father assigned Daniel got to, to be Elsie's guardian is because Daniel had shot someone in the street some, I think it was about 20 years before. I think that was in the 1860s or something, or 1870s. He, I do have this all documented, but I'm just doing this by the seat of my pants as I, or the skin of my teeth or whichever metaphor I want to put on that. Uh, but anyway, so he, um, he'd shot someone in the stomach and um, I don't know what that's about, but it gets even more interesting because uh, some years after he was made uh, Elsie's, guard, Elsie's guardian and she was in the home for the incurables in Missouri. He lived in, in, uh, in South Illinois in, uh, I think he was in Carmi at that point, you know, which is the capital of um, that, that area. And I think it's anyway, it's that down there, <laughs> right near Norris City where Elsie's, Elsie Wheeler's family came from. Um, he shot his, I think, third wife, if I remember correctly, in the back of the head and, and made it look like there was a robbery because he wanted to run away with his 22-year-old girlfriend who had two children to another man. Uh, he'd uh, set her up in one of his houses in Carmi, <laughs> shot his wife, Margaret, in the back of the head. And, uh, yeah, so it, it reads like a detective story. I tell you, Elsie's uh, young life. She, she lost so many people. Anyway, Daniel Gott ended up going to... Um, uh, ended up going to prison for about 15 years and this was yet another a, a terrible story in Elsie's uh, uh, young life. You know when she was young her mother died first, she was only like five as I've already said. Uh, her father died when she was about seven, uh, her sister, her grandmother, uh, you know it's just, it was just on and on. There was, even her niece uh, died very early on and um, 
There was a wonderful man who stepped forward to be her uh, guardian. Uh, I think it was a Charles. Oh, I'm, I'm doing this again out of memory and I haven't been well, but I really wanted to do this today because it's Elsie's birthday. And uh, he was at Wakeford, was his last name, and uh, he was just a, a wonderful man. I knew that the instant I saw you know, his name, I went, no, no, this is a good man in Elsie's life. And he was married to Elsie's uh, much older sister. And... Uh, and uh, so he was petitioning to be uh, Elsie's guardian, which he did then become. And he cleaned up a lot of the act of, you know, Daniel Gott, you know, and he, he brought a lot of that to light. I have quite a few of those uh, photocopies of those uh, papers that were got from um, Norris City from the library there. So What happened with, uh, is it Charles? Oh, I should remember. But anyway, Wakeford, um, he, was in the, he, was, uh, he was the postmaster. That's right. It was really interesting because when I went to Norris City, Southern Illinois, remembering I'm from Sydney, Australia, I mean, I've spent a lot of time searching for Elsie. And uh, I was standing in the street in Norris City some, I think it's about 11 years ago. And I was standing uh, across the road from the, the enormous uh, post office there. And Norris City now is a little bit of a ghost town in, in terms, of, you know, as against what it used to be. It's, you know, quite a, a rusty sort of derelict sort of place nowadays. And uh, I was standing across the road from the post office and I was looking at the post office and I was really tuning into it. And this is before I knew about uh, Wakeford's uh, association with the post office, Elsie's Guardian. And... Uh, and so I'm standing across the road and I'm staring at it and I was thinking, well, Elsie's, because it was there in Elsie's family, family's days in the, in the late 18, 1880s, 1890s. And um, so I was looking at the post office and I was thinking they walked through that door. For sure, her family walked through that door. You know, perhaps Elsie went into the post office herself. So I was, you know, with her parents or whatever when she was very little. So I was staring at the post office, I was quite transfixed by it, only to learn, you know, uh, sometime later that uh, Elsie's second guardian was um, the postmaster. And I bring this up because uh, the postmaster, I had to pause the recording because I had to go and uh, honour Henry Wakeford, not Charles. There's, there's Charles's all over the place. But anyway, there's <laughs> um, Henry Wakeford, yeah. For some reason, uh, when Elsie was still, she was like 10 or 11 or 12 now. How old was she? She was about 13. Uh, Henry Wakeford got into this extremely uh, strange uh, situation with the, um, the marshal of Carmi City. And uh, they got into a duel in the street on November 8, 1905. No, it was November 7, 1905, in the street. And they shot each other and they both died. So I don't know what that was about. You know, I mean, there's not enough information. I do have something from the newspaper. The two men met on a street corner and without words began firing. The postmaster, Henry Wakeford, and the marshal, Jesse Battery. So, yeah, very interesting. Oh, you know, it really does uh, read like an incredible story. Anyway, uh, so Elsie's, you know, second guardian, uh, had a very difficult end, just like Daniel Gott, who ended up serving, I think it was 15 years in prison from shooting his uh, third wife, who was 12 years, I think, older than him, which made me wonder why he'd married her and then had an affair with a 22-year-old, but I guess we can put two and two together. So, um, 
you know, like Elsie had such an extraordinary um, early life of um, losing people and grief and loss. You know, and of course, you know, at a very early age, she was like, you know, uh, six or seven when she went to uh, Missouri and was in the home for the incurables where she was till she was about 22 or 20, uh, no, till about 1922 or 1923 when she went to California. Now, just one more word about the home for the incurables, which I find really interesting, is that, um, you know, she spent all that time, you know, up to about 30 years, maybe a satin return, in the home for the incurable, and she would have spent a lot of time with people that were um, passing away, sick, incurable. You know, there would have been people dying, uh, friends of hers, people that she was sharing the space with. She, you know, I saw the census from those years, and the people that she was uh, sharing that space with, the home for the incurables, were usually much older than her. There were a few children so there would have been a lot of loss and dying, which I find very interesting in terms of the fact that she had so much suffering when she was young and um, so much loss. Anyway, to get a bit on to uh, Elsie's chart, the Sabian symbol for, for today as I'm doing this chart and the Sabian symbol for Elsie's son is a bride with her veil snatched away, Virgo 12. Elsie never married. Uh, she did have a relationship with a man called Frank Baxter in San Diego. She lived with him on and off uh, for several years um, in San Diego. About 25 years she was in San Diego before she died in 1938. Uh, no, no, about 18 years. I do apologise for, I haven't, I haven't lectured about or taught about Elsie Wheeler for uh, some time, so it's not very fresh. This is just one of my daily raves. So, so she lived with a man called Frank Baxter, which I find very interesting because my mother married a man called uh, Ian Baxter. Uh, and um, my whole family was Baxter when I was little and I wanted to change my name to Baxter. And I asked my mother when I was uh, about 11, 10 or 11 or something like that, I asked my mother if I could change my name to Baxter and it all seemed too hard. and. I think she was a bit concerned that my father might not like me changing my name from Rigby to Baxter. So my, you know, my, my, my mother, my stepfather and my sister were all Baxters as I was growing up. So I found it very interesting that Elsie Wheeler lived with a man called Frank Baxter. Uh, in later years, uh, my mother married, uh, remarried again. She married a man called Frank. So uh, it's all, uh, and there's more, much more to all of that, of course. The synchronicities between me and Elsie Wheeler are extraordinary. And, uh, and so it really, to me, is this quest, this search for Elsie that I do. I really must write up a much bigger article about her. So I will one day. Uh, so the bride with her veil snatched away for me, you know, the story of Elsie, you know, she didn't marry. But she had a veil snatched away in many ways, you know, it was sort of like, here you are, you have to reveal yourself. But I think in much more, it's in esoteric terms, you know, she was a spiritualist medium. The veil was removed so that she could see into other realms. She had no problem seeing into other realms. She practiced as a spiritualist medium. And in fact, in the census in 1930, uh, this in San Diego, she was, she had listed as, uh, that she was a spiritualist medium. I should add also that, uh, she was listed as living with Frank Baxter and of course in those days 1930 you wouldn't say you were living with a divorcee because Frank was a divorcee uh, who was uh, I think 15 years or 10 years was he 10 years older than her 
Anyway, he was much older than her. You would never have listed that. So it was put on the uh, census that she was the niece and he was the uncle, which I've found to be not true uh, because I've done a, a very big search into Elsie's life and, and that was not the case. Um, there were no Baxters. Certainly there are in my life, but uh, not in hers. Uh, so very interesting. And I find it interesting also, I had a, a reading with a wonderful woman called Barbara in San Diego. She was a spiritualist medium. This is about five or six, seven, eight years ago, something. And uh, she said, uh, I asked, she said that Elsie was there in the reading. You know, she'd appeared for the reading. And I asked, and I said, what was the relationship with Frank Baxter? And Barbara's response, I've listened to this reading many times. Barbara's response uh, was, Elsie said she thought you'd never ask that. And she laughed. And she said, well, Elsie said we were way ahead of that. Um, you know, we were way ahead of convention in those days. I mean, even to lie on the, on the census form, and in a manner of speaking, I sort of, you know, want to shout, yay, Elsie. You know, <laughs> it's like, I just love it. So, you know, and her Mars, her Mars in her chart, in Elsie's chart, Mars is on the sixth degree of Leo, and the Sabian symbol is an old-fashioned conservative woman is confronted by an up-to-date girl. So, you know, that, that fits with that uh, narrative of uh, Elsie that she... Um, that uh, she lived with Frank Baxter. And, um, you know, it's impossible for me to know if they were, had a sexual relationship. Certainly, that is their business, but, but certainly she was in a, uh, in a wheelchair from a very early age, so um, it, it very, it's difficult for me to know. She certainly was not well her whole life. It's interesting to note that the degree following Elsie's Mars degree, while I'm on Mars, is Leo 7. I call the degree following a degree, or the degree following a, a planet or a point, I call it the quest degree. And I see it very much as uh, the moon's, as the way that the moon's north node operates. And the degree following her Mars degree is the wonder of constellations of stars in the night sky. So. I don't believe that she studied astrology, although in her will, which I found, you know, a couple of years ago, about three years ago, I found her will in San Diego, and in it she thanked uh, Mark Edmund Jones for bringing her to the work that she loves so much. But I think she came to the esoteric side of uh, spiritualism more than, uh, more than becoming an astrologer. That's from my uh, investigations. I, I don't think she was an astrologer, and she certainly was not an astrologer in 1925. She was freshly in uh, San Diego. I think she obviously already knew Mark Edmund Jones because she gave birth to the saving symbols with Mark Edmund Jones in Balboa Park in 1925. But, you know, as far as I can tell, he chose her because she was like, he said about her uh, that she was like a fresh slate. I don't know if that's exactly the words that she used, he used, but, you know, that she was... Uh, you know, she had come out of the home for the incurables and she was, she wasn't, uh, I think what he meant was she wasn't persuaded or contaminated by the ways of the world. Anyway, I'm not sure exactly. His motivations for that were that she was a clear spiritualist medium. The degree before her Mars, and I'm just going to her Mars because I always just, I, I just do this randomly because it's what's speaking to me, was certainly, you know, she was certainly the, uh, the old-fashioned conservative woman confronted by the up-to-date girl. You know, in the 1920s, I mean, she was definitely ahead of her time in, to, uh, to my way of looking at things. 
the degree before her Mars, uh, and I see the degree before any degree or the degree before a planet or a point as being the karmic condition. I see it as very much how we look at the moon's south node, you know, something that we can be really good at, something that we have to let go of. And it's, uh, it's Leo 5, and it's rock formations towering over a deep canyon, and I see Leo 5 as being one of the, uh, the degrees of mourning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and she certainly lost a lot of people in her life. I see that, I should explain, Leo 5, Scorpio 5, Taurus 5 and uh, Aquarius 5, which means 4 plus in the zodiac of course. I see the, this grand cross as being the grand, a grand cross that can show the issue of mourning. Um, certainly the, uh, the degree exactly opposite, um, exactly opposite but one degree of LC's Mars is Leo uh, is Aquarius 5 and it's the council of ancestors have been called to guide a man so the, the degree opposite LC's uh, Mars is the council of ancestors and I and I believe that that's what she was was part of the the thing that she was operating on was certainly that anyway it all gets a bit complicated but uh yeah, so I want to go back to the um, the bribe with a veil snatched away, which is certainly the degree of the sun as I'm recording this. You know, uh, there's a, I did a bit of research into it. I'm certainly no scholar on any of this, but uh, uh, apparently, uh, according to the Gospel um, of St. Philip, uh, the Gospel of Philip, I don't know if it's saint, but anyway, the Gospel of Philip is that... Um, in order to enter into God's chamber, one has to remove one's veil. And I thought that was really interesting. And it, and it sort of sat with me with the story with Elsie. The karmic condition of Elsie's son, the degree before Elsie's son, is the, um, uh, it's the boy molded in his mother's aspirations for him. Well, another way of putting it is a child molded in in uh, their parents' aspirations for them um, because I try to take the gender out but it doesn't always work and the gender is not important I find in this story or in any stories I, I just I'm, I'm not uh, bound up by that so the boy molded in his parents' aspirations for him was well, certainly you know Elsie uh, didn't have that didn't have that direction she didn't have uh, that direction of parents you know it was almost like she had to mold herself in her own way in her own you know it's you know she was an orphan and uh, she certainly didn't have family around her when she was growing up she was in the home for the incurables I had to take a pause for a minute there and have a good coughing fit I um, I have been sick for the last month so it's been an interesting process uh, something else is Elsie was born on on the full moon although you know it was the day after the full moon really but because uh, her her sun degree is the 12th degree of Virgo and her moon degree is the uh, 30th degree of Pisces, but you know, that's still in the full moon uh, phase. I want to, um, yes, I want to come to her, uh, her Venus next. Her, her Venus is on a man watches his ideals taking a concrete form before his inner vision. And this is the one that I think it really is quite extraordinary. Her Venus was... Um, retrograde at birth and it's the sixth degree of Libra and uh, so a man watches his ideals taking a concrete form before his inner vision it's interesting to me that she's having her Venus return today so Venus is on that degree as I'm as I'm uh, making this recording and um, 
this is very much about uh, the law of attraction. It's uh, very much about uh, seeing things in one's uh, subconscious or conscious and making it manifest. It's what it's about. I do see the sixth degree of um, Libra as being the edge of the supergalactic center. It's one of the last degrees. I think that the supergalactic center, to my way of uh, thinking, goes from about Virgo 28 plus, uh, a man gaining secret knowledge from an ancient scroll he is reading, which is exactly where Mercury and Jupiter are conjunct right now. So I find that interesting as well because the secret scroll, uh, the ancient knowledge from the secret scroll is exactly what Elsie uh, Wheeler did. You know, uh, uh, one of the brothers of the Sabian Brotherhood uh, was said to have come through Elsie Wheeler to provide her with the, um, the Sabian symbols, the messages that were the Sabian symbols. So, going back to her Venus, you know, and where Venus is right now, uh, a man watches his ideals taking a concrete form before his inner vision, you know, is her retrograde Venus degree, Libra 6. The degree before her uh, Venus is um, a man teaching the true inner knowledge of the new world to his students. And that just makes so much sense to me, uh, you know, in the story of Elsie. That's the karmic condition of her Venus. The degree following her Venus is the, uh, the woman protecting uh, the chickens from the hawks. And from uh, what little I've been able to read about Elsie's uh, personality and nature, she was certainly very protective um, and she loved people. And no matter how bad or how, how difficult her life was, uh, she always uh, comforted others. And she always said that no matter how bad life is, there's always something to live for. There's a long story about all of that too. But uh, so, you know, such a kind and caring and, and, and uh, wonderful woman. You know, she had Mars conjunct Saturn uh, in the third house, right? The Mars is right down there on the IC. Uh, you know, Mars conjunct uh, Saturn, you know, with her rheumatoid arthritis, that constriction, that pain, that being confined to a wheelchair. You know, I think is really shown by that. And her Saturn is on an interesting degree in terms of that. It's on the epidemic of mumps of Leo too. You know, and this can be where situations get really out of control. It can be where there's diseases around. And who knows what sort of diseases she had to cope with when she was young. You know, when she was in the home for the incurable. Uh, would have been quite extraordinary. You know, so... Saturn's on the epidemic of mumps degree, you know, and it's like, what did she have to control? And certainly, she, she certainly did not let, from what I've been able to tell, she didn't let her emotions get the better of her or run away with her. You know, I think she was very, the epidemic of mumps can be where there's gossip or there's um, emotions that take off or uh, situations that can get out of control emotionally. And I think she really uh, kept a tight rein on that. The degree following her Saturn, the quest degree, is the... Um, uh, the woman having a hair bobbed, it's the up-to-date woman. So it's interesting, the woman having a hair bobbed of Leo 3 is very much like uh, the up-to-date woman is brought face-to-face -face with the conservative, the, the conservative woman is brought face-to-face -face with the up-to-date girl of Leo 6. So these early degrees of Leo certainly do talk about up-to-date women. Um, so, you know, the woman having a hair bobbed of the degree following her Saturn, you know, it's, it was very much in those days, in the 1920s, when the Sabian symbols came through, it was very much about uh, 
if you had your hair cut, it showed you were a modern woman. You were a flapper, you know, and you were, you know, you were into the suffragette movement and you were, uh, you know, you probably smoked cigarettes, you know, um, and danced the Charleston with wild abandon. But uh, certainly she was never able to dance. Um, I believe that she certainly did in many ways, though. That's uh, for certain. Something also interesting in her chart is her Jupiter on the third degree of Scorpio. The Sabian symbol is that neighbours it is neighbours help in a house raising party in a small village. Neighbours come together to make a village, you know, to um, uh, to build community. And, and certainly in the home for the incurable, she had community, but she didn't have it really because everybody, you know, died. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't been able to find out what. Uh, why her mother and father died, although they weren't young when they passed away. She was, though. Elsie was. They weren't particularly young anyway. Um, so the neighbours coming together in a house-raising party, you know, she was, she was very much into this neighbourhood, um, the love of her neighbours. You know, when she lived in San Diego, she, she used to go, apparently, every Saturday uh, to the indoor sports club. Now, the indoor sports were those people that were called shut-ins in those days. They were handicapped people, uh, often in, in uh, wheelchairs, and uh, they um, used to go to the indoor sports club in San Diego, and she used to go around to everybody. It was said in her obituary in 1938, in, it was written in her obituary that she used to go around and, and, uh, and see everybody in there and, and uh, talk to them and smile and give them uh, hope. Yeah, so, so that's the Jupiter on the neighbour's help in a house-raising party in a small village. The degree, uh, the karmic condition of a Jupiter, the degree before a Jupiter is the, um, the broken bottle and spilled perfume. I think that really shows her life. It's, you know, this, uh, this degree can be, I, this is not about Elsie, it can be about drugs or alcohol. I don't believe that she ever got into either. But it can also be about uh, broken backs or, you know, very compromised backs or necks. You know, the broken bottle of perfume can really show where the spine is really affected. That's one of the ways of seeing that. And um, she died of in intestinal, intestinal obstruction at the age of 51 and two months old in... Um, in hospital in San Diego uh, after an operation for the intestinal obstruction and I got a hold of uh, Elsie Wheeler's death certificate and it says that she died three days after the operation that she had for intestinal obstruction and I certainly would put that with that degree and it's in her sixth house anyway with the degree before her uh, Jupiter the broken bottle of perfume Oh, what a, uh, an amazing woman. So, um, so the, the, uh, the quest symbol of Elsie's um, Jupiter, and it is the degree of my Saturn, is a youth holding a lighted candle in a devotional ritual gains a sense of the great other world, Scorpio 4. So it's like, you know, holding that lighted candle in a devotional ritual uh, the, the young boy uh, in this in this Sabian symbol can see into other realms. So it's a very interesting degree for her Jupiter. You know, she has this sort of stuff in spades, really. Even her Chiron, her Chiron's on an interesting degree. Um, <clears throat> her Chiron is on the... Um, 
a man on a magic carpet observes vast vistas below. So she, she was, you know, it was almost like she was able to rise above, you know, herself in that wheelchair and observe vast vistas. You know, it was like she could see from a, a heightened perspective she was able to do that. The karmic degree, the karmic condition of her Chiron is on a ship, sailors lower an old flag and raise a new one, Cancer One. And so, you know, this is really about, um, you know, she, she had to leave her family home at a very young age. She, she didn't, didn't see many people in her family at all. When she uh, was older, in her older years, the only person that was left was the daughter of one of her sisters, Suzanne, uh, her name was, this, this niece. And she used to go and visit this niece in um, Chicago. This niece, Suzanne, ended up marrying quite a famous uh, advertising man, a man from the advertising world. And uh, Elsie used to go and visit him. But of course, Elsie died in 1938. So, you know, this is all ancient history, really. Well, you know, compared to modern days, it's a, you know, it's a long time ago. The degree following, you know, uh, Elsie's Chiron is Cancer 3, an Arctic explorer, leads a reindeer through icy canyons. And this, you know, I mean, this is her, you know, step by step. You know, I mean, she couldn't even walk. By the end of her life, she, had, she held it, uh, found it hard to hold her head up. She could barely use her hands from the rheumatoid arthritis. She was an unusual girl, you know, woman, girl, woman, um, certainly. You know, and the, and the MC that uh, Mike Edmund Jones assigned to her, of course, remembering that he rectified this chart, um, is a child born out of an eggshell. And, um, you know, it's coming from somewhere different. You know, it's, uh, in today's language, it's about indigo uh, children and star children, you know. It's about all of that. It also can be about feeling like you don't really come from the family that you come from. The child born out of an eggshell is like almost like the mutant birth or the birth that's you know so incredibly different. It can feel like you've been dropped, uh, you know, from a spaceship, and uh, it's a very interesting degree this one. But it can show someone way ahead of their time or very different, you know, obviously. And um, so that's the degree of her MC, and you know the degree before the karmic condition of her MC. And remembering the MC is very much about your status and your career is Aquarius 6. It's a masked figure, performs ritualistic acts and a mystery play. The degree following her MC is Aquarius 8. It's beautifully gowned wax figures on display. Find a very interesting my, my Progress Mercury is on that degree right now. So my Progress Mercury has been going over her MC. Oh, there's so many correlations between my chart and hers, it's a bit ridiculous. But you know, the beautifully gowned wax figures on display, the only photograph of her face that I've been able to find is a very darkened photograph that I found that was with her obituary uh, in, uh, in the San Diego um, newspaper that published her obituary and she had a beautiful uh, low uh, neckline dress on with beautiful pearls. So I, you know, my feeling about her was that she always dressed nicely. I have this very strong feeling that she as a Virgo was uh, dressed beautifully. It feels like that. I'm not going to do the whole of Elsie's chart because uh, it, it ends up getting too long and uh, one day I will though. I'll do a separate one and I'll, I'll start at the beginning with Elsie's chart. And uh, But uh, I want to mention that her ascendant degree is Taurus 28. Uh, this is one of the degrees that really gripped me when I first saw her chart in Mark Edmund Jones's book 
the Sabian symbols in astrology. Um, she, um, <clears throat> it's interesting that he assigned this degree to her, a woman past the age of life experiencing a new love. And the woman past the age of life experiencing a new love, it could be Frank Baxter, but I think it was more, you know, she said, she thanked Mark Edmund Jones in her, in the note that was uh, with her will for bringing her to this work. And I think he opened her, you know, her, I'm going to say it, I don't normally speak this way, but her third eye, it seems to me, I just need to say that expression. Um, I, that's what I think that um, Mark Edmund Jones really uh, helped her to, uh, to, to open up to her abilities to see into these other realms. The woman in uh, past the age of life experiencing a new love, you know, it's, I think that's her finding this new way of being in San Diego after being in the, the home for the incurable for so many years. And um, it could be that she had a romance with Frank Baxter, certainly uh, in the crematorium, uh, her, um, oh, how do you put it? Uh, there's, there, she, is, she is interred, uh, her ashes are interred in a uh, in a stone crypt right next to Frank Baxter's they're together in death as they were in life so it makes me wonder you know what exactly their relationship was I feel that they were very committed to each other regardless of whether it was a sexual relationship or not um, the degree following her ascendant is two cobblers working side by side at a table I find this to be very interesting as well in the light of what I just said uh, Frank Baxter was a barber and I've, I've had some pretty amazing experiences. I mean, Elsie Wheeler uh, was an um, ordained minister in the Spiritualist Church. That's what she ended up doing in her later years in San Diego. Uh, she, she used to give talks in the Spiritualist Church. She used to give readings. And um, she used to give readings at home as well. So the two cobblers uh, working side by side at a table uh, one day in San Diego uh, about five years ago or something like that, uh, it might even be longer. Terry Lamb, my lovely friend, astrologer friend, Terry Lamb and I went to the Spiritualist Church one Sunday uh, for a meeting there where we believe that Elsie might have, um, it might, might have been, you know, the Spiritualist Church that uh, she was as, uh, associated with. And uh, so as we walked in the front door, I looked to my right and right next door to the Spiritualist Church was a barber's pole. It was a barber's shop. I found that to be incredible. I mean, you know, that wasn't obviously there all those years ago. Uh, and we found out later that it doesn't seem to be that that actually was the spiritualist church that uh, Elsie attended and spoke at and was a member of. Um, but it's still those, those messages all the time coming through, you know, just synchronicities showing, showing the way in some manner of speaking. So the two cobblers working side by side at a table, I've really seen that that, uh, that degree can really talk about, that's the degree following her ascendant, uh, it's the karmic, no, it's the quest degree of her ascendant. This can really talk about um, a relationship with God. And one of the ways that I uh, twigged th that this could uh, point to that was because Walter Russell, the amazing, amazing uh, man who was born around the same time as Elsie Wheeler, he was born on the new moon on that degree, and he said that he always worked with God by his side. He was born smack on the new moon on the two cobblers working side by side at a table. 
Walter Russell is an amazing uh, polymath, an amazing genius. I mean, many, the, many people have never heard of him, Walter Russell. It's extraordinary that so many Americans have never heard of him. Um, he was a polymath. Uh, they call him the modern-day Leonardo da Vinci, an amazing man. Anyway, I just bring him up because it's extraordinary to me that Elsie Wheeler's ascendant that Mark Evan Jones, you know, rectified, um, is the exact degree of the new moon that Walter Russell was born on. And something else for my own story is that um, the degree that Mark Edmund Jones assigned to Elsie uh, Wheeler, 27 degrees and 54 minutes, is the exact to the minute degree of my moon, to the minute, not to the degree, but to the minute. So you might imagine how when I saw Mark Edmund Jones's um, rectified chart, my eyes widened, I went, oh my God, her, my moon is exactly on her as, uh, ascendant and I was born exactly on the full moon. So my, my moon, uh, my sun is exactly on her descendant. It's 25 minutes of degree off, half, less than half a degree of exactitude on her descendant. So it's a, it's a very interesting one that for me, there's more to be said about all of that, but uh, I don't feel to go into all of that today. Certainly, my full moon is meant to illuminate her ascendant, descendant. You know, her, her landscape, my full moon, certainly has had this incredible pull and there's a whole story around that. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm really not uh, particularly well. Ah, yes. Her... Um, yeah, I find it interesting that her Mercury uh, was on, um, Elsie Wheeler's Mercury is on Virgo 6. It's the merry-go-round. And I see this very much as the wheels of the wheelchair going around and around. I also can see uh, reflected in that, you know, the wheels of the zodiac, you know, the wheel of the zodiac, the, the wheel that is the Sabian symbols, the 360 degrees, uh, the charts, you know, even though I don't think she was an astrologer, um, she certainly... You know, I think she had this merry-go-round, and I think her life was a merry-go-round. You know, it was uh, really quite something. The the karmic condition of her Mercury is uh, a man becoming aware of nature spirits and normally unseen spiritual energies. That's Virgo five. That's so her. I mean, you know, she was obviously able to again see into the realms of the invisible. The degree following her Mercury is a harem. That's the harem degree. And, you know, living in the home for the incurables in particular, but even uh, the spiritualist medium church, you know, the spiritualist churches can be seen somewhat like a harem, you know, where there's the ministers and, and I mean that in the best possible way. You know, it's like being in a group of people who share the same ideals or the, you know, where they've come from disparate places maybe and they've all come together in a, you know, to share spiritual um meanings or understandings. I'm just going to leave off. I think I'll just uh, talk about her Pluto. You know, her Pluto, um, to go back to her chart, I do a lot of this out of my memory. Her Pluto was on her ascendant and so is uh, Neptune for that matter. But um, her Pluto, the Sabian symbol uh, for a Pluto is uh, workmen drilling for oil. It's going deep. It's looking deeply into things. You know, it's, it's Gemini 6. Her Neptune, though, right on the Ascendant, uh, it's, it's in uh, Gemini, but still right on the Ascendant, and it was retrograde. And over the course of her life, that Neptune has moved so slowly that it's still on her 
ascendant. It's right on her ascendant by um, progression. Anyway, her Neptune on that first degree of Gemini is an incredibly uh, uh, clairvoyant, insightful, psychic degree. It's the um, glass bottom boat revealing underseen wonders. The glass bottom boat is revealing things that are not normally seen by the eye. You know, if you have the glass bottom boat, you have a special lens that you can see uh, beneath the obvious. You can see beneath, beneath the uh, waters into the uh, unknown, into the mystic. And that was certainly her most definitely. There's more I want to say about Elsie, but I'm not going to say it right now. But um, I wanted to make this a celebration of Elsie. And, and certainly I think that uh, what she contributed to the world, even though the vast overwhelming majority of people, even probably the vast overwhelming majority of astrologers don't even know about the Sabian symbols. To me, they speak of such a holographic reality and, complete, and completely an amazing thing that she did, you know, in 1925, sitting in, in her wheelchair, apparently, uh, as they um, did this amazing experiment called the Sabian Symbols, which has really uh, added so much uh, to the understanding of astrology, you know, to, to really look into the degrees is an extraordinary thing. Uh, it, you know, it really gives that, that meaning and depth to the degrees. Anyway, I do apologise. This is a little bit of a potted thing about Elsie. It's certainly not organised. Um, it's certainly not as good as my usual readings are. But um, <clears throat> I just decided to do this and just launched into it. Uh, so uh, do excuse me. Uh, you know, poor old Henry Wakeford, me thinking he was Charles. Henry Wakeford was the best thing that ever happened to Elsie Wheeler in her very young years. He was a good man. Oh, that's right. I think his brother's name was Charles and his brother was a surgeon and his brother um, did a, a couple of operations on Elsie and he did them for free. He didn't charge. So they'd bring her back from, I'm sure by train, uh, from... Um, Missouri, from St. Louis, Missouri to uh, Norris City or Karma. I'm not exactly sure where the operations were performed. And, um, and uh, they never charged. Uh, the Wakeford family were quite wealthy, actually, unlike Elsie's family. And, uh, but yet Daniel Gott, who ended up in jail for shooting his wife in the back of the head at close range, in her bed, in their bed, in their marital bed, so he could run off with the 22-year-old um, you know, it was rorting the system and was charging the government you know, through Elsie's pension for the operations that uh, Henry Wakeford's brother Charles was performing. One day I'll write up about all of this. It's just, a, it can be a, a little difficult um, spending so much time on all of this because I'm, I'm not earning uh, really enough money to keep me going. So I'm a little bit on the edge of wondering if I'm going to continue this work. I know I've said this before, but uh, I keep getting to the edge. You know, I keep getting to that edge where I'm right on the precipice of going, I can't do this anymore. I, you know, I have to go and do something else. Uh, I have to uh, either, you know, I have to work smarter, not harder. But I want to devote quite a lot of time to actually doing this work and not being concerned about the financial um, rewards. I, I don't want to link too much into Elsie's story, although, for goodness sake, if you saw, you know, the synchronicities between me and her are extraordinary. Well, I guess they're not that extraordinary if you 
if you think it's karmic or whatever. I've had a lot of people say that uh, I'm the reincarnation of Elsie Wheeler and I've been very resistant to that story my, the whole time. I, I have people saying it to me all the time. You know, I do when I whenever I do lectures. You know, I've quite often had people say she was right there. You were her. You know, she was hovering over you or whatever. And and perhaps so. I tend to have a bit of a holographic view on life and think that maybe we're all living synchronistically. She might even still be alive, and it might still be 1938. You know, it might be 1925 right now in some other universe. Well, some other reality. But um, this search for Elsie has been so, wow, I don't normally get emotional about this, but uh, every now and then it breaks through. When I saw her will, I'll just pause for a minute. Well, that's genuine grief. Oh, goodness. <laughs> um, I haven't cried much about Elsie, but I feel like I'm connecting with her perhaps because it's her solar return today. When I saw her will and her lovely handwriting on her will and the fact that she struggled so much through her life, I think I better pause again. I, need, I don't want to have a quavering voice on this, <laughs> this daily rave or any of them, really. In her will was, um, you know, her little single bed, you know, uh, with a description of the single bed. It certainly wasn't a new bed. Her old typewriter, which Frank Baxter received. They had to sell her house um, in a fire sale because uh, she was so broke at the end of her life. Even though she did constantly, she advertised every week. I've seen just about all of the ads, you know, the San Diego Tribune and various other newspapers, I've seen her ads uh, for her readings, you know, and uh, but she died in, uh, in terrible debt, you know, she had to borrow money from friends, there's, you know, trying not to emulate her in that uh, situation at this end of a part of my life, but um, uh, they had to sell her house in a fire sale, it was at 120 Washington Street, Mission Hills, and um, in San Diego. Nowadays, that real estate is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. Of course, in Elsie's day, it was nothing like it is now. Mission Hills is a very expensive, exclusive part of San Diego. I found it really interesting that my progressed Mercury was on the first degree of Aquarius when I went to San Diego and stayed there for a couple of months. A couple of, it was three years ago when I was looking for her will and I was looking for more information about San, uh, her life in San Diego. My progressive Mercury was on the, uh, the old Adobe mission in California. I hadn't even thought about it, but there was my progressive Mercury to just ingress into Aquarius on the old Adobe mission. And I ended up, uh, you know, staying in Mission Hills, which is where Elsie lived in three different houses in Mission Hills. The old Adobe mission in California. It strikes me as interesting. I, I feel to add this, I haven't spoken about this at all that my progressed son has just gone on to Aquarius 3 and that is the deserter from the Navy and it's interesting because part of me wonders if I should just uh, walk away from this work 
But maybe the deserter from the Navy is saying, you know, I, I don't have to play the game the way that it's usually structured, you know, that I have to walk outside. Well, I've always done that. But, it may, you know, maybe it's uh, a sign that I have to walk outside of some of these uh, strictures. Anyway, there's much more to be said about all of that. Um, but, you know, this isn't the place for that. I'm, I'm, I'm meant to be talking about Elsie. But sometimes, you know, I find it, it's so, uh, you know, the, the, the borders, the boundaries between me and her are so incredibly interesting. I mean, there's so many stories to tell about that. And the one I feel to share at this point in time uh, is that her mother's uh, maiden name, when I first saw Elsie's mother's maiden name, it was written L. Hill. Because Elsie's mother's maiden name was Hill. It certainly had me staring at that uh, piece of paper, L. Hill. I was like, really? It turned out her mother's name was Louisa Hill. Of course, I'm Linda Hill. Uh, and, and Linda wasn't a, a common name in those days. Certainly Louisa was, and there's a certain resonance with those names. Elsie's maternal grandmother was Helen Hill. And when uh, my daughter was born, in 1983, I wasn't into the Sabian symbols, didn't know anything about, consciously, about Elsie Wheeler. And we gave uh, Jessica the middle name of Helen, and I remember saying to my, uh, to uh, Jessica's father, Richard, my then husband, one day we're gonna know why we called her Helen. It was a curious thing for me to say, and I remember saying that very clearly. One day we will know why we called her Helen. And Elsie Wheeler's maternal grandmother's name's Helen Hill. Anyway, I'm really not well, so I'm going to sign off. But uh, <clears throat> I am recovering, and, uh, and uh, I'm going to have a cup of tea to Elsie. All the best. Um, there's much more to say about all of this, but, and I'll get to it one day. I think it would really make an extraordinary uh, documentary, movie script, book, you know, but, but I, need, uh, I need help if I'm going to write another book. I'm right on the verge of, uh, well, anyway, all of that. Bye for now. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know it, it just feels to me uh, too much of a struggle, really, to be honest. But um, I'm going to say this regardless. I know it's not very PC. But I don't want to end up in the same shoes as Elsie at the end of my life. I really don't. So um, I'm determined. Uh, to not do that and um, whatever steps I have to take I will anyway all the best and uh, I hope you've got this far if you have you deserve a medal thank you and thank you for all the love and support that I receive um, it's extraordinary being on this journey bye for now